to always get the latest Game Tea, do not forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. We post memes, gaming news, retweet friends of the pod, and of course, let you know when new episodes are available for your listening pleasure. Links are all available in the description of this episode, so check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. everybody and welcome to another episode of the game tea podcast my name is jp i'm peaches zach and i'm czar all right so today we're going to be doing a game review of a highly anticipated game that came out just three short weeks ago although at the time of recording this of course it will have been a month and you know what i can't believe i'm saying this but czar the floor is yours oh my god this is so exciting czar gets to talk <laughs> Yay, it's Psychonauts 2. I recently... Well, that was a great episode. Thank you all so <laughs> oh, much for Oh, no. All right, yeah, let's get out of here. You know, I got to walk a dog. I got to go oh. give my cat some milk. Oh, oh Zar, Zar made me feel bad. All right, fine, <laughs> Zar. You can talk about your game. So, yes, Psychonauts 2 is the review I wanted to do. And if you have followed the Game T on Twitter, you would know that it is my pick for a game of the year contender. I don't know necessarily if it will win, but we will get to that with this review. Um, Now, as JP said, the game was only released about a month ago, and I know he's very lax with those spoilers, and according to him, it would be okay to spoil the game. However... These are all correct. (laughs) Zach is also playing this game. And Zach will be fine. Do just not for blame how Zach. much. What? Do not blame Zach for this. <laughs> it's literally the motto of the podcast. If it goes wrong, blame Zach. Yeah. Oh, shit. I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I've been blaming Czar. Fuck. <laughs> I've been blaming me. I'm just glad nobody's blaming me. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Uh. This is going to be kind of a bare bones review. If I can convince the guys later, maybe we'll get more in depth with this because there is so much meaning and I really want to discuss this game further and you'll kind of see what I mean. Anyway, we are going to do this uh, kind of like our game reviews in the past where I am going to answer eight topics. Why I was interested in the game, the graphics and art style, the characters, story, gameplay, game mechanics, final thoughts, and finally, I am going to give it an overall score out of 10. But it's 10 out of 10. Tell me why it's 10 out of 10s are. Well, as we've said before in a podcast, mm, 10 out of 10s may not exist. It's definitely a very philosophical question on if a game can actually be a 10 out of 10. We did actually address that in uh, answering gaming's biggest questions. Probably we'll get back to that at some point. We will, because we never came to a conclusion. We just kept yelling. I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) So much yelling. (laughs) Are you boys ready to dive into the mental universe? I was looking for a better segue there, but nothing came to mind. But there's nothing there. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Yep. Let's let's dive into madness. Or so to get into this review, I was really intrigued by this game when it was announced, uh, mainly because like back when I was young and had an Xbox OG, I, I played the first game and I loved it. It was creative. It was beautiful, but it also had really good meaning behind it. And that is absolutely demonstrated in the second game. When you boot it up, you are met with a mental advisory and it kind of warns you what you're going to see in the game. If you've got like a dental phobia, don't play it because it's kind of cringy in the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. But also that if you are struggling with any of the concepts that are artistically demonstrated in this game, it is okay to talk about it. It is okay to seek health. We are living in an age where mental health should be a focus and there is so much awareness out there for it. So naturally, we have to start the review with that because I think that's a great message. And Zach actually uh, talked a little bit about it, too, when we were texting about this game. Right. I absolutely loved it. And that's exactly what it says. Like, I'm all about um, just mental health. And so I love how they took it very seriously and they're using it as a way to um, expand that message and make sure it's okay and it's not a stigma. So, yeah, I absolutely love the message this game is trying to bring. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 out of 10. Yeah. But the final thing I will say with interest in the game, a common theme that you are going to notice frequently is leaving childhood behind. There is a joke later in the game where... Uh, Raz sees a mental figmentation of the summer camp that he was in in the first game and says, wow, I haven't been here in days. Oh, interesting. But actually, it's been like, oh, what was it? I think I had it written down here. Yeah, 2005, I believe. OK, that's already pretty interesting. Yeah, but there was a game in between called the Rhombus of Ruin. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. That is the theme. I was going to say, tell me about graphics. Yes. Um, so the graphics and art style, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Although I will note that on an Xbox One, it does look a little poopy. Really? I mean, it's it's still really good, but there are very apparent frame rate drops where... There really shouldn't be. It just feels like it was very limited on a past-gen console. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I get 120 hertz on it. No big deal. I'm not trying to flex, but... <laughs> There's also an option in the settings that you can uh, turn on motion blur, which makes the game even prettier. Yeah. yeah. Well, so right it's on. more of a your console sucks kind of thing. So you can borrow my Xbox series whenever it's are. Just letting you know. <laughs> Hell, at this point, he could probably just buy it off you. <laughs> Not anymore. I spent all my Xbox money on a, my wife's present, which I was absolutely thrilled to do. Boo on you for being a good husband, Czar. <laughs> Love is temporary. Games are forever. Correct. <laughs> all right. All right. Keep going. So I really think this game looks like a Pixar movie. It just almost looks like a, a style of claymation that you could reach out and touch. 
and it it's so beautiful looking at it a little deeper though it's not as whimsically artistic as the first game which i believe fits also into the theme of leaving childhood behind because at the summer camp things looked cool and crazy and wild because raz the main character is leaving his childhood behind and seeing a more realistic view of the world although it is still very much picasso-esque which is double fine's specialty mm-hmm. yeah I, what else really is there to say it's beautiful i would give the graphics for their potential a 9.7 out of 10 with wow with the exception that there are a couple i don't want to say lazy but like lazily animated parts where there just wasn't very much detail oh that's fair now on to the characters as i mentioned before rasputin aquato otherwise known as raz is our hero He's only 10 years old and he's only four foot four inches, but he is full of fury. Raz is part of the Aquato family of traveling acrobats. And in the first game, he ran away from the circus to join a summer camp. Sounds a little backwards for kids, but in actuality, he ran away because he knew his family hated psychics. The Aquatos used to have the best water performance around. That is until a psychic cursed Raz and each individual family member to drown in water. Holy shit. Yep. It's um, actually a big part of the game. Raz can't swim. And so anytime he touches water, both in the real world and in mental worlds, um, a ghostly hand will reach out and try to drag him to the depths. Well, that's terrifying. Continue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next character, um, very important, Lily Zanato, Raz's love interest. She's a total badass that don't take no guff from no one. Uh, characters in the game fear her. She's strong-willed and has an affinity for burning things with her mind. We've got some returning favorites. We've got Agent Nine, which was Raz's mentor in the first game. Agent Fodello, who taught you how to float. Coach Oleander, who was the bad guy from the first game, Ford Crawler, the crazy old man who lives in your head, summoned with bacon. And of course, Dr. Lobato, our residential dentist and neurosurgeon. Beyond that, um, we've got Raz's family, his dad, Augusta, Donatella, Dion, his older brother, Donatella, his mom, uh, Frazy, older sister, and then younger siblings, Murtala and Queepy. <laughs> Queepy. And then the lovable old lady, Grandma Nona. And she, uh, if you talk to her, she will yell, Stay away from the water! Okay, so she knows what's up. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was there when the family got cursed. Like, she's the one who told the family to stay away from the water because of an ancient feud between psychics. Which was actually explained in the first game, so it doesn't really matter here. Okay. Truman Zanato is the next character I wanted to mention. He's the head of the Psychonauts and Lily's dad. Um, he is a big part of the opening. Um, Agent mm. Forsyth is your teacher, um, and you will work with her quite a bit. Now, 
the antagonist was actually hinted at in the first game is known as Maligula. Kind of a play on Maligula? Medulla oblongata, I I think. I was going to say, isn't that some kind of part of the brain? I think it's the amygdala, maybe. I don't know. My biology is failing me. But anyway. I was going to say, don't you have a degree in this? (laughs) Yeah. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, who's going to who's going to beat the bad gal? The Psychic Six, that's who. Otto runs the shop. Bool, who uh, has telepathy with animals. Um, Bob Zanotto, Helmet Fulbear, who is played by Jack Black as a note. Oh, cool. And finally, aside from Ford Cruller, we have Cassie Opia. And I, I wanted to mention her because this this is my favorite quote in the game. At one point, you have to deal with a swarm of angry bees. You approach Cassie and ask her, can you help me with the bees? She replies, I'll help you with the whole alphabet, Sonny. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. I like that jokes. Yeah. And then the last group of characters is the interns. I would really like to discuss them, but... I will save that for a future episode because they deserve a lot of detail. Oh, with their diversity and their closeness, almost as an inner circle family is a really cool series of relationships to examine. Anywho, right on. Shall we move on with the story? Yeah. Or do you guys have any questions first? I think I've been moving a little fast. So... Um, I've heard one complaint that people have with Psychonauts 2 is that a lot of the kids in the game feel like they they have the feel as though they were written by people who do not understand kids anymore. Oh, did you get that vibe at all? Or were you feeling differently about it? (laughs) Absolutely. I, I did get that vibe. It, it felt like it was trying to demonstrate a group of quote unquote cool kids like the interns are basically copy and pasted from the breakfast club kids that were cool in the 80s <laughs> yeah yeah exactly with this kind of the same mentality as from the 80s and it just it feels like it was really out of touch it's actually that's a common problem amongst like different people in the gaming industry i think it really shines through in games like life is strange that are narrative driven Because in games like Psychonauts, where it's like kind of action adventure, it's easier to ignore. But in games like Life is Strange, where the whole purpose is to try and connect with these characters because it's just a walking simulator. When there is this total dissonance between how kids, you know, how kids really act and how these stupid people think they're supposed to act. It comes out in really cringy ways. I've noticed. Yeah, I will. I will definitely agree with that. Luckily, in Psychonauts 2, um, the interns aren't the focus. I actually have a problem with that because when you finally see what the interns can do, because, you know, naturally, this is the Psychonauts. Everybody has these stellar psychic abilities. And when you see what the interns can do, you're left with this feeling of, oh, my God, that was so cool. I want to see more. 
and unfortunately this game falls a little flat you don't see that much of the interns and you don't really interact with them too deeply like each group of the interns that have broken off into pairs and like groups of three and then you do a specific quest for each of those groups and that's it but yeah they're they're really cool and i really wish they were more utilized anything else before we move on i think i have most of my questions answered so most of these characters that show up in the second psychonauts game came from the first one as well right yes um like I said, the old ones were the two agents from summer camp who taught you like they were the mentors that taught the camp. And then uh, Lobato, who was just a very crazy person. Um, and well, then, yeah, like, his Col- name is short for lobotomy. I mean, what do we expect? Yeah. And he's a dentist and neurosurgeon. Oh, I hate those people. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of returning favorites with new characters. I really did like how they introduced the new characters. And man, what a cast with the characters. Jack Black is there. I will say Elijah Wood is somewhere in this game. Really? Okay. Yeah. And if you were a watcher of Nickelodeon in the 90s, there is a certain Easter egg uh, voice that you will pick up on very, very quickly. Who would that be? Um, I don't want to say it because it like kind of gives thing. It doesn't give anything away, but it's so cool when you come across it. I hope it's not Drake from Drake and Josh because that would be in bad taste. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So you've talked enough about the characters. I want to really hear about the story because that's apparently where this game really shines through. Oh, and what a story. I will say that the lengthy wait for the sequel was well worth it in the story department. It hit all the right highs. It hit all the right lows. But let's get into it. Psychonauts 2 picks up right where the VR game Rhombus of Ruin left off. Um, I never played that. I, I guess I remember hearing it came out at some point, but I never really had the VR capabilities to play it. Mm-hmm. But that's honestly okay because it's summed up so quickly at the beginning of the game that you don't even need to play it. Raz and the rest of the Psychonauts have captured Dr. Lobato and rescued the head of the Psychonauts, Truman Zanato. But Truman cannot be woken up. He is apparently in some sort of deep mental coma that is unpenetrable to the rest of the Psychonauts. Okay. And, like, that's literally all that happens in the Rhombus of Ruin. So, upon the start, you get a brief tutorial when you go inside of Dr. Lobato's head. It's actually pretty difficult, so buckle up. And upon finishing said tutorial, the uh, Psychonauts will land at HQ, known as the Mother Lobe. Ha! Yeah. I really love all of these, like, yeah, I love all the brain puns. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. So, Raz steps off the plane, excited to begin his life as an agent, but he is approached by Agent Forsyth, at which point she will explain to Raz that he is far too young to be an agent, so hello, unpaid internship. Oh, no. Yep. Anything but that. 
Get ready to be a desk jockey, coffee runner, printer fixer. Or, you know, just a mailman. <laughs> a mailman. <laughs> a mailman. So this internship does not actually feel like work, all jokes aside. It's more like school, which I kind of had a problem with. They open up this game with so much potential and possibility only to kind of limit it to what we saw at summer camp. Interesting. Yeah, I I feel like they could have been a little more creative instead of copy and pasting the exact same notions from the first. Like, hell, there is a crack at a joke of having a scavenger hunt in the game when really you're just kind of cleaning shop for the Psychonauts. I, I love this game, but there are some notes like that. Other than that, I won't go too far. Basically, all you need to know is there are rumors circulating that the evil that nearly destroyed the first Psychonauts, Maligula, is going to return from the grave and you must prepare for it. What happens in between is, oh, oh, my heart, (laughs) my heart, my feels. All right, so I'm sure that a lot of our listeners, including those of us who still want to play the game, me included, really appreciate the fact that you're giving us enough information to be intrigued without, you know, ruining anything. So I think that's a perfect opportunity for you to stop talking about the story as much and talk about how the game actually works. What's the gameplay like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut me up on the story because I was biting my tongue too much there. I could tell. I could tell. (laughs) (laughs) gameplay um it's kind of like your third person platformer it's it's very heavily influenced on platforming solve pretty simplistic puzzles uh that reoccur throughout the game Mm -hmm. beyond platforming where raz's abilities come into play is really what makes this game unique So your control scheme is going to be pretty basic. I'm going to reference the Xbox because that's what I have. So like your A is your jump. um, Your B is your back out of menus and skipping cutscenes. X is your melee. uh, Y is your interact. Now, this is where the first game differs heavily from the second is in the powers The first game really limited itself to one power at a time. Whereas the second game has such a fluidity with combat that you could almost consider it a combat game. I did not like the combat from the first game. I would just run around using my side blaster because I didn't like it. Okay. But in this game, all of your powers work together in unison. And as such, you can customize them to your needs. Uh, The triggers and bumpers are how you use them. And you can set any power to any trigger or bumper, which I absolutely love. And I found myself going back to like the default controls of the first game where I would keep um, my levitation ball as left trigger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of new tweaks like that and I really think they did improve the platforming and Raz's movement altogether. We're right on. I I really liked it. I I think the gameplay did not need any further polishing. 
Um, and the only, mm, the only qualm I had with it was, oh, occasionally Raz would get stuck on like walls or he would get like lodged into a place where he couldn't jump. And I found my character getting stuck in little tiny pit holes where I would just have to like kind of reset and wait. That's interesting. Out of out of all of that, though, I mean, that's really not a huge complaint. It didn't happen that much. Real quick. Um, one thing I've heard, it, like when I was doing research to be able to ask questions for this, is uh, a lot of people had complaints about the gameplay, saying that the problems that Psychonauts 1 had with platforming and like power usage and stuff like that, all of that comes back in this game. You didn't feel that, though? Not to the degree that I think a lot of other people did. Um, I, I thought the platforming was a lot more frustrating in the first game. Uh, it would look like Raz would reach out to grab a ledge or like a swinging rope and he would just completely miss. I didn't see that in this game. Okay. Uh, if you if you didn't like the first game's controls, I could easily see how you wouldn't like the seconds, but... I don't know what they could have done differently or necessarily better. I think they made it feel a lot more solid. Like Raz was actually interacting with the environment and not just kind of floating seamlessly. Well, shit, uh, if you had to give it a score out of 10 for gameplay, what would you give it? Gameplay, not the best I've ever played, so probably about an 8.5. That's still pretty good. Yeah. That is pretty good. Good, not perfect, not the best I've ever seen, but creative, but creative. So you talked a lot about the game mechanics that game uh, that came a lot with the gameplay, but like, were there any like puzzle mechanics to the game? How was the game really played besides just being a platformer? Because that's a little, that's a little general. Think Zelda dungeons. Um, Ah, okay. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these mental worlds, which is your reference of a level or like a world um they utilize the same gimmicks over and over so for example one of the first powers you unlocked is mental connection where you can basically spider-man to a thought cloud um okay and that puzzle will be used throughout the level over and over and over that really is zelda dungeon-esque i didn't have any trouble with it and i didn't have any puzzles that were overly convoluted that I had to look up like I didn't I didn't look up any walkthrough for this game and how do you feel about that do you feel like it was too easy I do um I often found a lot of the scenery and space was not it it was a lot emptier than it appeared for a game with collectibles there really weren't a ton and I would have liked mm. to have seen more collectibles. Really? That's fair. Yeah, just that reward for exploring the environment. I mean, there were this, like this is a guy who relishes on uh, Donkey Kong sixty four. Like he he loves his collectibles. Yeah, that's that's fair. Almost to a scary degree. I need to get that last blue banana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the worst when there's just one banana left. That's conditioning through the old games that we used to play, right? Because that's how they created, like, you know, replayability is the, through these games was collectibles. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. Um, in this game, it just it didn't have it. And maybe maybe it's because they didn't want to emphasize collectibles as much. Maybe it was because they more wanted to focus on the story and like what was happening around Raz, which I I did really appreciate. This was I was expecting that collection game, but it's really more narrative and story driven. It is a, a book that you read start to finish. Right on. All right. So you have given us a ton of amazing information about this game that so many people love. Is there anything you wanted to say about it more before you give it your own personal score? Um, I did want to dive into some of the finer game mechanics um, because honestly and surprisingly, this game really shines when you look at the settings. Um, do you guys know what blindness filters are? Like for colorblindness? No. Yes, correct, yeah. Peaches, for colorblindness. Because this game has them. You can tweak the graphic settings to any style of colorblindness, and it will adjust the colors of the game as such. So that literally, regardless of what colors you can actually see, you can experience the beauty of this game just like everybody else. Because what you see will be very comparable to what someone without that specific colorblindness will see. And I, let hey, me, that's pretty cool. Let me tell you, I tried each filter and they gave me headaches. Yeah. Like you can you can definitely tell when you don't have these um, these diseases. And that's such a cool function. Why don't more games do that? Actually, um, I don't want to rain on your parade here. A lot of games do have these uh, colorblindness options. Like uh, even PUBG had colorblindness options. I turned it on just so I could see green blood. Really? World of Warcraft had colorblindness options too. Yeah. Uh, huh. it, it definitely, like, don't get me wrong. It, it should be an option in every game. Like I know, uh, funny enough, Among Us is very bad for colorblind people. Ooh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> red is sus. Who the fuck is red? <laughs> what is red? <laughs> so yeah, it's there is still some problems in the industry with not uh, having those options, like um, accessibility options. I see it. But it, it is getting better. I see it included. It's not included as much as it should be, though, is the thing. So like if there is a developer that takes the time to include functionality like that, it is worth recognizing, in my opinion. Well, and especially for a, like a game that's as artistic as this, you know? And completely too about like mental health and accessibility and like lives in that kind of realm. Like, I don't know, in my opinion, it was a no brainer to include that functionality. And I'm sure like to a developer, it doesn't take that much extra work to include, but still it is work. You know, it really seemed like this game and the developers tried to make it as inclusive as they could. Every every walk of life is in this game. It really tries to boast the awareness of mental health and like it really accentuated the notion that it had these colorblind filters. Like it was really easy to find and they really wanted you to see it. I think they did a very good job in that. Okay. 
So with all of that being said, it's time for the score. It is time for you to give it a score out of 10. You've thought about this game a lot. What do you think it deserves? Well, I I, I just had a couple more things. I'm re- really sorry. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> You're trying to rush the star out the door. You said I had 45 minutes. I'm gonna use those 45 minutes. All these squares make a circle. All these squares make a circle. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anywho, there there was one last game mechanic I did want to talk about. Uh, how do you guys feel about cheat codes from the get go? As long as they don't affect the main story, I don't care. I mean, I don't, they don't affect the main story, but you got God mode from the start. It's just a setting you can toggle along with uh, no fall damage. Ah. Oh, yeah, I, that's that's an accessibility option. A lot of people are bitching about that, and I think it's dumb. I, yeah, I never turned it on. Well, I mean, it's it's cool, but I never used it, yeah, so I'm I not mean, complaining about it. No, it's just, it, oh, my God. I remember the whole debate about this. It's like, oh, if you can just turn off, turn off dying, what's even the point of playing the game? It's like some people, for one, you know, they aren't good at games, but they still want to experience them. Don't turn that option on if you don't like it. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. It's not hurting you by being there. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's totally fair, especially with a story driven game where there's no not like a whole lot of competitive features. Like, yeah, that's a good Psychonauts isn't Dark Souls. Yeah. Well, along with the, the God mode cheat, you can also turn on story narrative combat. Interesting. I just think how many ways you can play this for such a linear game is just a beautiful concept. You know what? I agree. That's fair. I I felt like I had qualms at first, but you guys are making good points. I I just was so tired of the discourse with all the neckbeards. Like, I can't believe they can just you can just put on like ultra easy mode and not even have the difficulty of this game. It's like, again, just let people experience things how they want to. And you can just go fuck yourself. That's always an option. Yeah. (laughs) There's an option for you. Why you gotta be mad that someone else is having a good time? If you're talking about a game like Dark Souls, where the whole point is the difficulty, maybe they'd have a point. But not a game like Psychonauts, or not like 95% of games in general, you know? You're right. If you don't like it, don't turn it on. Yeah, there's no achievement for beating the game without dying, so what does it matter? Yeah, exactly. Like, there's still gratification for people who choose to pursue the game in the more challenging way, right? And for people that don't want that, there's a way to compensate them where they still get the story and the beauty of the game. Yeah. What else do you have for uh, final thoughts before you give your score? Uh, Well, that was the game mechanics, and I'm going to give the game mechanics a 10 out of 10 based on the settings. Wow. Yep. I'm kind That's of outstanding. Yep. The settings really did it. I loved all of that inclusiveness to it. Um, now, my final thoughts. Like I said, we'll maybe have another episode where I can dive in more. But I freaking loved this game. It was amazing. It hit every feel that I wanted it to. It was exactly what I was waiting for from a sequel. And it will make you think some of the concepts in this game, like when Raz is faced with death Mm -hmm. entering and seeing death and what that means, where do you go when you die is so deep 
and they just tackle these really formally taboo issues like depression and anxiety just with such a creative look and I mean it may seem lighthearted but they are fully aware how serious these issues are and the mm. way that they portray them is just phenomenal incredible I, I am at a loss for words with how well they did this that being said, I did have a couple qualms with it. Oh, no, it's time for qualms. Yay, I love qualms. You get way too much money. Like, the money is worthless in the game. Um, I maxed out oh, I, the... Yeah. yeah, I maxed out the biggest wallet so freaking early and bought everything. Now it's just to see how many cores I can buy. And I'm up to, like, 500. I hate it when games do that. Because money progression is a really good way to make certain mechanics feel rewarding. It's about balance, right? Because it's like in Red Dead Redemption 2. You get way too much money way too quick. And then by like a third of the game, you have everything that you want. And it ruins this like really good mechanic of reward in the game. In the game. Yeah, well, because they they did the shop really well. Like where you buy things is so cool that it's a shame to see that function of the game become so obsolete so quickly because money just doesn't matter. Right. So that was a problem I had. Uh, The load times, they are bad. And I know I was playing on an X-Bone, but even looking on like forums and such, load times are a huge problem. Really? And I feel like for a game that is animated like this where the rendering at close distances is not like it's not a priority to make it super detailed you shouldn't have load times like this the world is not that big mm-hmm. um i i said earlier that i wanted to see the interns play a bigger role um i didn't like the vaults uh there are a one of the collectibles are mental vaults that you crack open they spoil things like I found out things just collecting that I didn't want to find out until I hit a certain story point. Wow. Interesting. And finally, the game was short. Unlike this review, <laughs> it's like a maybe eight to ten hour game at most. I hate to say that shorter stories are becoming like more common, but I, I don't know. Some people enjoy that. I personally don't. I wouldn't have a problem with how short it was if we were like gonna see another Psychonauts within the next couple of years. But I mean, we still might just the way that they left it is going to be a completely new story. Like I said before, the theme was summer camp was childhood and Raz is finally coming of age and thinking and seeing like an adult. So I'm looking at how long to beat, and it says 14 hours for the main story. Did you just, like, beat the shit out of that game, or what, my guy? I (laughs) guess, because, I mean, I think I have 18 to 20 hours put in, and that's just because I hunted everything in the map. Putting these how long to beat kids, it's a shame. I was going to say, my loading times really weren't that bad on the Xbox Series S. Granted, I haven't gotten that far. So I am curious if that's more of just the Xbox one. 
Mm. I used to do something in the forums, but I don't know. There was a couple updates that were released that uh, were emphasizing quicker load times. So maybe uh, I just hope they didn't prioritize the next gen slash modern gen as opposed to previous gen like I'm using. All right, Zar, it's time to quit stalling. What's that score? Yeah, final segue into a quick score. The coming of age with a joke. Um, The first time Raz is able to upgrade his ability and use his mental connect to what is called a dark thought. He giggles to himself and says, I remember when I couldn't connect to dark thoughts. What a child I was. (laughs) My score to this growing up of a game, 9.6. Wow, that's really darn good. Not a perfect 10, but as we've said before, we're not really sure that any game could be. And there were some problems I had with this game, but none that were too overbearing. And this is honestly going to be my vote for game of the year. As of right now. As of, yes, as of now. Yeah, as of now. As of now. There's still a lot of the year left to go. I mean, what else is coming out this year? If Dying Light 2 hadn't been delayed, then maybe. Halo. And of course, we'll see. And then that's coming out December 4th. So it's Ratchet and Clank. We'll see how Back for Blood does. Yeah, that's a game. Yeah, that is a game indeed. And don't forget, Metroid Dread, game of the year. We'll yeah, we'll see how Metroid yeah. Dread does. Um, but if it were just I mean, a comp- honestly, if it were just a competition between uh, Psychonauts Two and um, Ratchet and Clank, I do think this game would win based off of the underlying themes that it places. I think so. That that is. Bold. I don't know if it could beat Ratchet and Clank, at least not to me personally. See, but then again, I haven't played Psychonauts 2. Maybe I'd be blown away by how good it is. You would be. It is very good. It is very um, good. What I want to add to that is Celeste got up for game of the year and it was an indie game just because of how it focused on its story and incorporated so well. I definitely think like I want to say it's like we call it. It's not like Oscar bait. But it's like the same premise. Like this is just like when you tackle mental health like they did, like that's a good way to make your game recognized for something positive. And I mean this in a positive way. Yeah, and that's absolutely and that's absolutely true. But Celeste was not game of the year. But it was nominated for it. And that's for an indie. Didn't Celeste have to compete with like God of War? Like that's not fair. It's not, it's really <laughs> not. But I mean, hell, even in the year of 2018, in my opinion, the best year of gaming I've ever seen in my entire life. I would have picked Hollow Knight over Celeste if that was the indie we were going with. But again, that's just my opinion. Zar, do you have any thoughts you want to conclude with before we wrap up this episode? Uh, Play this game. You will not regret it. Um, Honestly, it really caused me to examine certain aspects of my own life. And yeah, as we began this, I want to end it with... If you are struggling with any issue, if you are depressed, if you feel hopeless, if you feel lost, please get help. It is not a sign of weakness. It is the right thing to do. We're in 2021, for God's sake. Mental health is important. You got to make sure that brain stays healthy. Of course. Absolutely. And those types of messages are more important now than ever, right? As the entire world, we're more confused and lost than ever so messages like these are important so i love that czar great psa absolutely 
How do you feel, buddy? Did you get it off your chest? Do you feel better? Not all of it. I bit my tongue so much. I really want to talk more in depth about this game. So I guess if the listeners want to hear more, you know what? Maybe Zach can finish the game and we can tag team it. And of course, you're going to get lots of opportunities during Let's Vote when we go over the 2021 Game Awards. But that's still a few months away. Of course, of course. All right, man. If you are done, then I think it is time to wrap this up. So thank you all so much for joining us on this episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. You just got your game tea. Bye. Later. If you like what you heard today and you're looking for more ways to get your game tea fixed, check us out on Patreon. With bronze, silver, and gold tiers starting at $2 a month, there are several incredible rewards you can receive for supporting the show, such as a follow from us on Twitter, access to a monthly Q&A session, an invitation to our private Discord server, and even bonus episodes of the podcast only accessible to patrons. Your donations will be used to make the show even better. The link to Patreon is in the description with our social media, so go check it out. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Game Tea Podcast.